1: Last week, I introduced a sermon series that was tagged with the title, The Golden Triangle of Giving. After reading and rereading the book of Proverbs, reading it in a number of translations, I found three passages that constitute what I believe is a golden triangle as it relates to giving, the biblical theology on giving. And in part one, we looked at worship which is the perspective that elevates our giving. Worship is the perspective or the pattern or the paradigm that elevates our giving. It gives our giving a transcendent focus. It gives us a supernatural fulcrum on which to leverage our response to God. I'm not so sure. I got so caught up last Sunday I don't know if I distinguished, uh, differentiated as clearly as I should have the distinction between substance and increase. I told you, substance is your potential, it's everything God gives us. That when we invest it or when we use it, whether the breath in your body or the money you have in your pocket right now, that's substance. And we all have something to shout about. No matter what your financial status is, no matter what your condition is, God's given you some substance. Now, the increase is the interest that comes back. It's the profit. It's the return from our substance. God gives me every week substance and increase. And the scripture says, cast your bread, that's your substance, up on the waters. And not many days it will return. You're on the dock waiting for your blessing to come in. I wanted to make sure you understood the difference between substance and increase. And we honor the Lord with the first fruits of our increase. Then our barns shall be filled with plenty and our presses shall burst forth with new wine. Well, I want to go to the text for today. Proverbs 8, 17 through 21, New Living Translation. It reads, I love all who love me. Those who search will surely find me. I have riches and honor as well as enduring wealth and justice. My gifts are better than gold, even the purest gold. My wage is better than sterling silver. I walk in righteousness, in paths of justice. Those who love me inherit wealth, for I feel their treasures. Amen? True love, not this superficial, shallow stuff, not this sentimentality stuff, but true love is the greatest motivator in life. All other things come in at the rear True love is a river that caresses and flows through all that it meets in its path. I was reminded of this anew during our daily Bible study reading in the book of Genesis this week. It was about Jacob, the patriarch of Israel, who had served his uncle Laban for seven years for the hand of his youngest daughter in marriage. When the wedding was consummated, his less than forthright uncle gave him the older daughter instead of the one he truly loved, insisting that he serve another seven years before he could have her hand in marriage. And the Bible says, so Jacob worked seven years to pay for Rachel, but his love was so strong. That it seemed to him a few days, Laban gave him Rachel, but he said got to wait seven years for, her. but he loved his sister so much that those seven years were like a few days. Amen. What does love have to do with giving? Why is love the passion that energizes our giving? Three responses came from this text love energizes our giving. it is the passion that does that because Of the person that love seeks. The person that love seeks. First of all, there's the person that love seeks. True love is not self-centered. It's not self-absorbed. It's not self-adulating. True love is always focusing on the beloved. God has created us so that ultimately our search for love and meaning cannot be fulfilled in any other place but in him. Jesus said it this way, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceed out of the mouth of the Father. The text says, I love all who love me. Now, I believe that God's love is unconditional, but I believe what the text is telling us, that our experience of that love, our experience of God's love is directly related to the sincerity of our search. God's love is unconditional. He causes his love to shine his grace and mercy upon everyone. But our experience of it is directly related to the sincerity of our search. I love the hymn by Eliza Hewitt, More About Jesus. More about Jesus, she says, what I know. More of his grace than others show more of his saving fullness see more of his love the one who died for me are you at a place in your life where you're saying to God I want more of you it is still time for you to say God I want more of you in my marriage I want more of you in my career I want more of you in my relationships Our experience of God's love has a lot to do with the sincerity of our search. He says, the one that seek me will find me. Actually, we don't find him. God finds us when he knows we're sincere about our relationship to him. Too often we're looking for love in all the wrong places. Prophet Isaiah questioned the sincerity of his generation's search, and he says, Why spend you your money on bread, on that which satisfies not? Eat what is good, and let your soul delight itself in factness. At the outset of this chapter, the writer praises God for his wisdom. He anticipated what Paul would write centuries later that Jesus Christ has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Love is passionate and persistent in its search, and it energizes our giving for true love, defies calculation, cost, and constraint. Love is a Moabite girl who helped her battered mother-in-law move from bitter to better When she tells her literally that I'm here to stay. I'm not going anywhere. Where you go, I'll go. Where you lodge, I'll lodge. Your people shall be my people. And where you die, I'll die. And nothing but death can part me from you. Love is King David. Weeping for the son who tried to take his life and steal his kingdom. But yet when he heard about his son's death, crying out, Absalom, oh, Absalom. Love is a rejected father still waiting patiently for his son to return from a far country. Solomon, the primary author of this book of the Bible, understood all too well the search for wisdom, and he understood too that ultimately it's personified in God. He understood this because of his wise choices God when he ascended to the throne Solomon f- succeeded his father God said I'll give you anything you want he gave him a blank check Solomon said I want wisdom he says Lord give me wisdom and you know what God did God said because you asked for the principal thing because you asked for the most important thing I'm going to give you everything else I'm gonna give you the riches and the honor, all the stuff, because you put me first. I'm gonna give you everything else you need. How is it that love is the passion that energizes our giving? It's because of the person that love seeks. But there's another reason in the text it's also because of the prize that love secures. There's some territory. That love for God gains for us, that carries us beyond whatever our initial quest is. When we go to God, we just want to go to him for himself. But this text says that when we do that, other things happen. I don't know why it happened, but when I thought about this part of the text, a song came caroling down the corridors of my mind. I believe it's a Walter Hawkins song. But it's this. God gave me a song that the angels cannot sing. I've been washed in the blood of the crucified one. I've been redeemed. The Lord has been so good to me. He's opened doors I cannot see. Sometimes when I am feeling low, no one to care, no place to go. My father, I wish I had somebody. My father is rich in houses and land and he holds He holds the power of the world in his hands. Here's what I'm telling you all. When we think about giving, when we find God, we find everything else. We be running around looking for the stuff, looking for the job, looking for the next house, looking for the career move, and then we bring God in as a footnote. Looking for the mate, looking for all the stuff we worry about what this text is telling us is that you put God first and whatever else you need, he will provide. I love the uh, message paraphrase of verses 18 and 19 of our text. Listen to this wealth and glory accompany me. Also substantial honor and a good name. My benefits are worth more than a big salary even a very big salary, the returns on me exceed any imaginable bonus. I'd rather know the banker than the location of the bank. I'd rather know the doctor than the toxicology of the disease. I'd rather know the mechanic than the extended warranty. I'd rather know the pilot than the plane. I'd rather know the teacher than the lesson plan. See, love energizes our giving because it leads us to the fountain that will never run dry. When you have God and God has you, everything you need. I already got my dream house. Eyes have not seen Ears have not in my father's house are many mansions if it were not. So my brothers and sisters, earnestly seek God. Not for a fortune, favor, or fame for the stuff, but for God's self. And when you find him, he'll give you the rest. There's one other thing. Love is a passion that energizes our giving, not only because of a person that love seeks and the prize that love secures, but in the final instance, because of the promise that love satisfies. Listen to verse 21. Those who love me inherit wealth. I will fill their treasuries. The Young's literal translation is this. To cause my lovers to inherit substance, yea, their treasures I feel. This part of the text really gave me pause. I found it so remarkable and moving, this final verse in the passage. Those who love God are identified as having treasuries. So often... We are prone to think that when we need a blessing, we carry our need to God's treasury. And he gives us something. I checked other translations to make sure this wasn't an aberration. This wasn't an exception. But in every instance, the inference is, the interpretation is, is that God says, I'll fill your treasury. Meaning... That God has given us depositories. Each of us have our own federal reserve. He's ready, willing, and able to make sure when we love him that he'll fill our treasures. I looked up the Hebrew of it. Treasury is a storehouse. It's a place where valuables are kept. I ask God, the Holy Spirit, to help me understand what the treasuries are. The Spirit told me earlier this morning, I'll tell you what, it's not. The treasuries are not our houses, our homes, or what we have in the closet. They're not the bank accounts or the proximity of family and friends. They're not our degrees and our pedigrees. These are not the thing God promises to feel. They're not our wealth and our riches. They're not our full three B's or our full one K's. That's not what our treasures is. His word came into my spirit. Said Jesus told you where it is. Where your treasure is is where your Is and so, my brothers and sisters, if you want to be blessed, you must give God your treasure. I'm not talking about that material stuff. If you really want God to do something new in your life, then you have to say, Lord, I want you to take more of me. I want you to take all of me. I give you all my heart. I give you all my love. I give you all my faith. I give you all my mind. I give you all my strength. I give you all my joy. I give you all my peace. And God will feel it. He'll feel it. When David wrote, my cup runneth over, he wasn't in some palatial palace. He was running from his own son. But God blessed him with a cup that runneth over. He will not bless a divided heart. When you say to God, I give you all my heart. Take all of me. And he'll fill your treasures. And Jesus said it best. He says, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things. He'll supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. These movements in this passage really reflects what we celebrate today. Because love came down through 42 generations. We are the persons that love sought We're the prize that love secured and you and I are the promise that love satisfied because on a cross, love said it is finished. Not I'm finished, but
0: it is finished. You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org for more information about us and to obtain resources provided by T.D. Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on Certain Truth for Uncertain Times.